Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, step right up, step right up to see a world not unlike the one you believe. Bet your tickets, don your wings, slip away to fantasy. Mind your manners, watch your step, no spitting, no curses, no fights. Cross the river and discover the world beyond which light. episode of rpgbot.book review i'm randall james your carnival barker and with me is tyler Camstra. hi everybody and random pal good evening yeah so today we're doing a special bonus episode uh, the wild beyond the Witchlight has just come out and we've all taken a look we thought it'd be a little bit fun to get together and talk about what our thoughts were so far uh so with that hey hey tyler what are your thoughts so far Oh man, I am so excited. Um, I have been looking forward to this one since they announced it, probably more than any of the campaigns that we've gotten in 5th edition. There's a lot of new ideas in this adventure. There's a lot of new concepts and some uh, literally an entire plane of existence, which hasn't been featured in a published adventure from WotC. So uh, there's a lot of cool new stuff here that I'm really excited about. Awesome. Random, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I am thrilled. There's a lot of things <clears throat> that are mechanically pretty good, but thematically fabulous in this book. I loved everything that I read, which admittedly was just the intro and then the appendices, because I uh, would like the chance to play through this at some point without having too much of stuff spoiled. But um, there's some stuff that, I, I mean... I would say that having gone into this without any expectations, not having known about this since, you know, however long, it blew me away in a lot of ways. And I am very excited. Awesome. Awesome. And so I think it's probably worth establishing uh, one. We're going to try to do uh, this conversation spoiler free. So if you do expect to be a player character in in the game, if you want to try to get somebody to DM this for you at some point, uh, this should be safe, safe to listen to. However, we are going to say some basic things that, you know, the, the way that I'd put it is in your session zero or before you actually start this game, I, I think there are things you're going to be aware of. Uh, so, so with that, um, what, what is The Wild Beyond the Witchlight? So I think the two things that are safe to say is, one, uh, the session starts at a mystical carnival. And two, you might go to the Feywild. <laughs> All right. Uh... I feel like they've advertised both of those points pretty well. So, uh, <laughs> yes, the the campaign starts with a magical carnival from the Feywild, um, and then the players are swept on uh, swept up on a magical journey to the Feywild from that carnival. Um, the carnival itself is the first segment of the campaign. Um, and just exploring the carnival is just an absolute ton of fun. Um, having read that section cover to cover um, about partway through the next one, um, there's a lot to do there. There's a lot of really good twists on your classic D&D tropes. Um, there's fun mini games. There's great NPCs. Uh, Thacko the Clown. Thacko the Clown. Uh yeah, oh my gosh, the there's so many jokes in here. Thacko the clown. Um there's there's um 
there is a giant snail uh, named Shelly Moo, named for uh, uh, Shelly Mazanoble, the co-host of the Dragon Talk podcast. Um, for Magic the Gathering fans, there's a literal planeswalker in the first, like, two paragraphs of text. Um, yeah, the, like, not to spoil anything, because, again, literally the first two paragraphs of text. Um, there's so much here. Like, I... I I struggle to tell you more without spoiling things. Um, just the session zero for this game would be so much fun. Um, the plot hooks written into the adventure are unique and clever. Um, there's some mechanics that we've never seen before. Um, my gosh, uh, I, I'm so excited for this. Yeah, one of the things that I would say that that felt a bit unique, and I think, Brandon, you had the same observation uh, if you were a first-time DM, it seems like there's a lot of really good content for how to do your session zero, how to get your players put together. I don't know. What do you think, Random? Yeah, I, I have to say, um, so having read through the intro and having there be a literal entire Tips for New Dungeon Masters section that is, uh, I've only looked at it in the online version, so I can't tell you how many pages, but it feels like at least a good solid page or two. Um, and honestly, I would recommend buying this book for that section alone. It is, I, I, I read it just with my jaw open. It is so good, so comprehensive, so dense, but so approachable as a way to get into the parts of D and D that are about telling a story you know, it, it talks about like, okay, it, it it talks about some things that are never discussed anywhere else that are both um, acknowledgments of real world things. Like, yeah, you know, after a couple swings, your players are going to know what a monster's AC is. That's just going to happen. That's fine. Um, you know, to talking about how to get into narrative combat. I mean, the, we... We had a whole episode planned about how to be narrative in combat, which we may well get to, but there's a, a couple paragraphs in here that are just phenomenal. I mean, I read these like, my God, this is what I have wanted my DMs to do, and I have been thrilled when I remembered to to do this sort of thing. Um, and, you know, so that's amazing. And with that said, as, as we continue digging into the introduction, some of the mechanical stuff is is still a lot of fun. It's still very flavorful. Um, so the the backgrounds in particular, um, there's two, and one of them I think is quite good. The the witchlight hand. So this is you know in the setting of the story, it's the person is someone who is currently a part of the carnival, someone who works in it, um, and then there's also someone who is fey lost. And um, honestly, I found the uh, the Fey Lost disappointing. The skills are deception and survival. Survival by itself is already pretty weak. And I I mean, in general, you're gonna find survival on a druid or a ranger. Um something that is gonna wanna, you know, particularly if you're optimizing, someone that's gonna want to take advantage of their high wisdom. And there's not really a character that's gonna want both survival and deception that I can really think of. Um Whereas, oh, go ahead. Oh, um, the the one character I can think of who will want deception and survival is a Fey Wanderer Ranger. 
there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I agree, though. The For most characters, those that skill setup's not going to be super optimal, but uh, fortunately, the background rules encourage you to swap out skills and proficiencies on backgrounds, so you're not stuck with those. Uh, but but it, thematically... Thematically, oh, I really like that background, though. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So mechanically, I was saying, like, I, I definitely feel that one's a little bit weak, but both of them thematically are fabulous. And yeah, if you do just want to trade a little bit out there, I think you can have a lot of good times. Now, speaking of mechanics in this book, oh boy, new races. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm excited. Um, so we got two new races, the Fairy and the Heron Gone. Uh, now, the Fairy is... Uh, Pretty much what you'd expect from a fairy character. They're small, they fly, they have magic. Uh, if you ever want, if you have ever wanted to play Tinkerbell in D anD D, there you go. Um, Although it, they're they're small, they're not tiny. That's true. Uh, they are they are small, so you're going to be halfling size, not pixie size. But that honestly, that's probably better in an adventuring party. And they Agreed. can cast in large reduce as an innate spell. So if you want to be tiny, you can do it for a few minutes every day. <laughs> um, the Herongon is a humanoid rabbit, um, and they, boy, their stat block is a lot of fun to read because it's all rabbit jokes. Um, <laughs> like they, what? um, like the here and gone, for instance. Yeah, exactly. Um, hair trigger, they get a bonus to initiative. Um, lucky footwork, they get a, they have a mechanic around failing dexterity saves. Um, and then I think it's just called Rabbit Hop, but uh, they it can is. jump really far. Which it, it could have been what? a bunny hop. I feel like that was a missed opportunity. No, 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 no. You are misrepresenting jump really far. Um, <laughs> so these are these are two of the mechanically strongest races I've ever seen for a number of reasons. First off, um, so they they got the the custom lineage treatment um, where you can choose any plus two plus one, except that they also add or you can choose three plus ones. Um, which I think is new um, as a, like, you can do either of these, and it makes <clears throat> some stat-choosing systems work a lot better. Um, so the fairies have a 30-foot walk speed as a small creature. That's already fast. That's I think that's they're the only small creatures that are that fast. And also, they have a flight speed of equal speed. You can only be wearing light armor, but realistically, that's fine. The innate spellcasting is good. I mean, fairy fire is always good. In large reduce, you can find uses for. And you get free druidcraft cantrip, which is great. Like, they're an amazing race. But the Herringon, so a proficiency to initiatives, which is fabulous. Proficiency in perception, which is literally always good. And that rabbit hop, you can move five times your proficiency bonus as a bonus action that doesn't provoke attacks of opportunity. Now, you only get this proficiency times per long rest, but that is still bonus action disengage on any class by itself. Like, that, and, you know, admittedly, you, you would need to make sure that you're disengaging away from everything in that 10 feet, but that, again, that 10 scales, right? So at, you're going to be at 15 feet at level 5, something I want to say. So mechanically incredibly strong races and also very fun thematically yeah i'm uh, um so the plus two plus one or three plus one things that is relatively recent um we first saw that on the 
custom lineages in Van Richting's Guide to Ravenloft. Uh, but yeah, that's that's basically the standard for new races post Tasha's. Um, I agree with Random. The the races are both pretty strong. Um, I think we're gonna see a lot of fairy spellcasters, um, like a lot of warlocks who are gonna abuse fairy fire as an innate spell. Um, and then uh, the Herringon, yeah, the ability to to jump in and out of combat without provoking opportunity attacks a few times per day, um, it's pretty good. I can see that being really good for, like, your paladin who needs to jump in and use lay on hands or basically any spellcaster who doesn't want to be stuck in melee. Um, it won't quite keep up with uh, cunning action from the rogue or um, the goblin's um, uh, nimble escape, but, I mean... Two to six times per day. That's that'll still save your life a couple times. Yeah, absolutely, and, and especially given what pacing you might have, uh, you know that pacing, pacing might actually allow you to use it, you know, once per combat, and and still be good to go. So, I feel like we actually haven't talked about what I think is one of the coolest firsts for this book. Uh, so the the campaign is is meant that if you intended to, you could finish the campaign without engaging in combat in a Dungeons and Dragons adventure. Uh, I'm instinctively clutching my pearls. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's different, but I think it's exciting. Um, I, it's fun to me to think about, like, well, what would it look like if you built a character where your intent wasn't to engage in combat? You know, all these things that we typically think of, like, okay, well, I, I don't need charisma, and, you know, as a spellcaster, I'm not going to take all of these uh, manipulative RP spells because I need my combat spells. Imagine having that available to you. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see what people do with that. Um, I, I jest about uh, being upset about not having combat. Um, combat is very much still an option for what I've seen in a few places, but uh, like they explain in the introduction to the adventure, if you're clever you can get through the entire campaign without combat. So as a player going in, I would expect you will probably still be in a few fights, but there sh- there will always be a non-violent solution to any given challenge that you're facing. Um, and that that's definitely a first for official D&D adventures. Um, like any given campaign, you're going to have to go kick the final boss in the shins until they fall down. Absolutely. And, and so I've heard... Uh, you know, Tyler, I've heard this phrase from you before, the idea that, like, the three pillars of Dungeons & Dragons, right? You have the combat, you have role-playing, and you have um, exploration. And so I think it'd be really neat to think about, like, what does character optimization look like when you're not optimizing for combat, which is typically the most, in- most important thing to optimize. Um, I know uh, we have an episode coming out next week where I hope we're going to talk about uh, the idea of, like, optimizing for a role or optimizing for a concept. Imagine this is a concept. Like, my goal is uh, to survive the Feywild. And, and it isn't necessarily to do that by fighting my way out of every problem that I embrace or that I face. Yeah. Um, optimizing, let's see. So character optimization does typically focus pretty heavily on combat because um, of, of the three pillars, combat is the one that will kill you. Um, so you focus on combat so that you can live to enjoy the other two. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but yes, it's absolutely possible to build characters around exploration and social interaction, which is that role-playing pillar. Um, 
So your typical face character, tons of charisma, all the skills, expertise, uh, all those things, just throw those on your uh, charisma skills and you can you can really, really succeed in that uh, social interaction pillar. Um, exploration gets a little more complicated. You need skills like perception, investigation, sometimes survival, and that's where you're going to be interacting with like traps, natural hazards, uh, looking for ways around combat, which... Um, like, like I mentioned earlier, if you're clever, you can get around, or if you're clever, you can find a non-violent solution to every challenge in this adventure. Um, but being built to do that will make that a lot easier. Awesome. So, yeah, I guess, is everybody looking forward to playing this adventure? Absolutely. And and using some of the stuff from this adventure besides, um, I mean, if you look at the appendices, um, <clears throat> so there's... Uh, a bunch of stuff, right? There's you've got your magic items, you've got your your monsters and your whatnot. Um, some of the magic items are really disappointing. Uh, the thing that springs to mind as a enormous uh, trap, which is weird because it's one of the first like, y- you know, the fifth edition has had some things that are not great, but I haven't seen anything that really reads as boy. This is just this seems like it might be good until you look at it and then realize it isn't. For an entire rare item, the Chromatic Roses are an entire rare item that is single-use and not great. It like um, it gives you resistance to a damage type associated with it, um, which is great. But then, if you take more or take more than ten damage after resistance, so if you take twenty damage from a single attack of the element that it's from, it just disintegrates. And you take no damage from that one attack, but, like, an entire rare magical item as a one-use. Or, as a different one-use, you could turn it into a kind of crappy breath weapon. <laughs> like, hmm. um, with that said, one of the things that I did think was really cool, and we're just going to leave the artifact aside because I, I am happy Plot. ignoring the elephant in the room for the whole time. Um, so there's these things. Uh, so there's, there's two things that are really cool. Uh, one, carrying on the Feywild is definitely Alice in Wonderland theme. Uh, there is a sentient weapon in here called Sticker Snack. It's a purple <laughs> blade. <laughs> That's beautiful. It's so good. Um, and yeah, it it will mess with you. Um, now, so that's fun, but it's legendary. You're hardly ever going to find that. On the other hand, there is Steel, a named weapon, which is crazy good. It's very rare, so, you know, it's it, it's not going to be something that you come across very often, but um, once a day, you get a free revivify. Whoa. Yeah. you just like, oh, my cleric died. Nope. That's real good. Okay. Yeah. Yep. yep. That'd be handy. Dang, it is also that. It is also sentient, um, but doesn't does fight it, you. Does it um, get to choose whether you get to do the revivi- reviv- revivify? No. Um, oh, okay. That's great. Um, and then the last I thing... I think that would and, make it more interesting. It's like, I don't want it right now. <laughs> here's one that I saw and immediately saw, you know, thought, ooh, this seems ripe for an edge abuse case. Uh, scissors of Shadow Snipping, which, man, this... So, uh, you walk up to somebody and you cut their shadow off. Now, if they don't want that, they get a DC 15 Charisma save. What? Why? Which, 
nothing is going to pass that reliably. I mean, you know, it, it, like no no thing that you're going to do this to is going to pass that reliably. You know, sure, a, a cleric or a paladin or a sorcerer or a warlock, but like, Wait, don't so, do that. So, what are the consequences of having my shadow stolen? Uh, well, here's the part that's weird. The consequences to the person who has their shadow stolen are non-existent. Um, it, it, so a creature whose shadow has detached from it is cursed. Um, if a shadowless creature is subjected to any spell that ends a curse, or if the detached shadow reaches zero hit points, we'll get to that in a second, the detached shadow disappears and the creature regains its normal shadow instantly. So here's the two things you can do with this. Um, you can either... Uh, so once you've snipped somebody's shadow off, you can have it follow you. You have to spend, I don't even think it's, it, oh, it's a bonus action. You have to spend bonus actions to make it follow you around. Or you can relinquish control, at which point it becomes autonomous and turns into a shadow per the shadow stat block. Oh. And, you know. Uh, shadow, shadow is self-reproducing, right? If a shadow kills you, don't you become a shadow? Except that they said, okay, take a shadow, but make it fey instead of undead. And if it drains someone's strength to zero, they just fall unconscious. And then okay. they get all their strength back after a shorter long rest. So, so non non-lethal shadow damage? Yeah, it's it's not self-replicating, but okay. you can do this once a day, and as long as the shadow doesn't die, the person just doesn't have a shadow anymore. So like some random army of Fey shadows question mark? I don't know how I want to break that, but I am desperately interested in finding out. Does the shadow know any language? Can it speak? Uh, well, they don't have vocal cords, so uh, that would be a good okay. trick. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to imagine like the RP of, I'm going to cut my own shadow off, because for one, nobody can see my shadow, so I sneak better. That's exciting. Two, I'm going to send my shadow ahead, and then I have to get back and do like sign language at me to communicate in something that we've developed because you know it's my shadow, I know it really well, right? Okay, that maybe yeah, we'll try. Um, just a couple other real quick things I want to touch on. Uh, they have l really made some things for DMs in the back of this book that I am an enormous fan of. Um, <clears throat> so there's a story tracker, which is yeah. basically like a little built-in notebook of. Thing like places for you to write important things to keep track of time order and whatnot. The role playing cards are one of the coolest things I have ever seen in any D and D supplement. For so there's a ton of NPCs in this, unsurprisingly, because it is all about the Fey Wild. It is all about a carnival, so it's not just ah yes, uh you know neutral hungry monster. Um, you're you know all these things are going to have personalities. So they have uh, I don't know a couple dozen cards that you can print out and look at. And it gives you, for each relevant NPC, the same uh, alignment, personality trait, ideal bond, flaw that PCs have. So you can get a really you know, good idea of how to inhabit a character when you're um, playing them. And uh, so those two things by themselves, some of the coolest things I've seen in anything. And a last little piece of fun, uh, Wizards of the Coast is really doing its best to get with the times. Um, and one of the ways that I found that really uh, well represented, so I'm not going to try and spoil too much. Um, there are two NPCs who belong to the carnival. Um, and so I will just read a very small snippet 
of of the introduction to them. Uh, they were born during a particular celestial event, uh, blessed by Corallon. The twins can change their sex at the end of a long rest, though one twin rarely does so without the other doing likewise. The accompanying saplock uses she and her as each twin's default pronouns. Just that. Just, you know, we are trying to keep with the times and look at this stuff and go, you know what? All right. Let's talk about pronouns. Let's talk about uh, gender and sex, and let's do it in a way that is trying to be as inclusive as possible. So I was really pleased with that. Yeah, that's really good. Um, yeah, I, there's a lot of great things to say. We could talk about this way, way longer, um, and I gladly would. Um, I've got to say, this is probably the most new DM-friendly adventure that we've gotten from Wizards of the Coast, including both the beginner box and the essentials kit, which were literally made just for new groups. Like, the, the tools in here are so good, and there's so many new, interesting ideas um, I really hope Wizards stays with this as the standard, both just like the tools and the quality and the new concepts. Um, uh, it, let's see. Uh, if you haven't heard about this already, um, they also published a supplement on DMs Guild called Domains of Delight. Um, it's $8 on DMs Guild. All the proceeds go to Extra Life. That's their uh, annual adventure supplement thing that they do every year. And Extra Life is a major charity in the gaming space. They're very good. Um, so we'll have, uh, we'll have links to that in the show notes. And we'll have a link to places that you can buy while beyond the witch life. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us uh, for this special episode. And yeah, I guess we'll see you next week. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.